Mindless Can, the podcast with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. So this is a very exciting day in the land of kindness, Can, as we welcome Kevin Fraser to our screens and microphones. Hi, Kev. So nice to see you. Hello. Thanks. I felt the same way. Yay. Paulie Bushel, how are you, friend? Uh, hello, Jane. Hello, Kevin. It's so wonderful to welcome you onto our show, Kevin. Thanks for making the time to chat with us. Thanks, guys. I was going to sleep in, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I must say that I feel like I've basically watched you like grow from like a baby moth into like a little cocooned <laughs> being. And now you're like flying with like the most radiant wings all around the world. Oh, stop it. No, seriously. I can remember going to a splashy fin. Oh gosh. I mean, I'm giving my age away now, but you were a latte, bro. I don't even think you should have been there, but you were there. Probably not. But you, I mean, you started the whole journey for yourself, right? As spin doctor. And that was like in your early teens, Mm -hmm. right? DJing. Yeah, exactly. Although I don't know what I was doing at Splashy, but um, that's exactly where it started. Doing little mobile gigs and then kind of progressing into the hardcore nightclub scene of Durban. And then from there, where to from there? Well, I basically took a step backwards or forwards, whichever way you want to look at it. I moved to Benoni and then I... Stayed there for like about a year and kind of, I said, now I've got to do the Joburg scene, you know? And then um, that was just really hard for me. It it didn't have that like warm hug from Durban that I was used to. Then I realized it was just the humidity down here, but (laughs) I quickly moved to Santon and then tried to like get actually into actual Joburg itself and then start DJing there. And then from there, Australia. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Benoni, but from Benoni to the world, all great South Africans seem to do some time in Benoni. <laughs> because life is so rough out there and you learn so much streets like cred that you're like, I gotta succeed, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Kev, from the DJing scene to being honestly one of the funniest human beings, you can make me, I, I get like, I start to get like short of breath and I snort and then I start to drool a bit and my eyes start to weep. I mean, you are just uh-huh. so funny i mean so where to from the club scene to actually like the social commentary side of stuff yeah i wish i could get video responses from people because that makes me feel so full when you say that you like you know snort laughed at stuff it's so cool um but uh yeah i i think it's like it was basically my third year or second or third year in Australia after studying there and working, like your longing for South Africa really starts to like take its toll on your soul, you know? And I just, I hadn't actually had a visa at the time that allowed me to come back to South Africa without voiding everything. So people that kind of followed the spin doctor vibe from my DJ days were kind of like, yo dude, you've disappeared off the the globe. Like, do you want to like fill us in on what's going on? Like some, some of my mates, especially, felt quite like separated from my life now that I was down under. So I kind of got frustrated at that as well. And my spin doctor career wasn't taking off 
in Australia, well, at least the way I was kind of hoping it would. So I started making a, a video diary out of frustration, I think, you know, and it was one particular night in Melbourne that I was just lying in bed and whipped out me my iPhone 2 or whatever it was at the time. And uh, I did a, a little bit of a, a rant. I was like, okay, here we go. This was my train ride today from Melbourne CBD to home because I lived like in the bush pretty much. Um, rent was cheap out there. And, um, but we know the dollar is strong compared to the rand. But um, yeah, I just like, I made this rant on my train ride experience and I, I did it in multiple accents and I just commented on everything that I was experiencing on my day. And because Australia's ahead in time, I woke up the next day and it had gone like viral at that time, which was, was quite interesting. I didn't really know what to do. So I just, people were like, no, more, more, more. Do like do another video. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll create a page called Kevin Fraser and I'll like, I'll start posting something there every now and then. And then it became like religious. Every Thursday I'd post a little clip on something and it was quite exciting to find new topics and, and then boom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, have you, seen, have you seen Kevin's <laughs> commentary from the pantry, <laughs> from the pantry? <laughs> have you seen it? It's one of, from, my, one of my favorites. It's one of my absolute favorite, favorite things in the world. I don't think which pantry it was at. Oh, your girlfriend had those um, like corn puff things and the mamas. And the Evo. I've done two pantry videos, actually. <laughs> the one was in, in my very sophisticated Melbourne diet pantry. And... The other one was from my South African pantry, yeah. Oh, no, you. I think that's the beauty of you. And we're going to get onto the, the kind of um, deep dive of a serious topic shortly. But I, what I love about you, and I think that the joy that is you is the relevance. I mean, you can talk about, you know, the heat. You can talk about what's in your cupboard. You can talk about the crime. You can talk about the cashiers. The one the other day. <laughs> I was about to say, my when you, no, but Not the cashing out of the goods, but the, two days ago was when you're arriving there and you've got a trolley load of stuff and she says, do you want a packet? And you're like, Kevin says, no, I'm going to put this one on my pockets. Like, hashtag, obvs, I need a packet. <laughs> Obviously, I need a packet today. Oh. <laughs> Ah, the joy. Uh, and then you say that and then you still get like, so you're going to take the packet or <laughs> that's the beauty of South African humor, right? Like we truly like we're forced by circumstance to like understand each other on so many levels. We have so many beautiful languages in this country. So we're constantly trying to like understand each other and like cross all our different cultural barriers. And it makes it beautiful that our sarcasm and our crassness just like lives in us. And that's something I struggled with down under, but yeah. So, again, I think that's also one of the things I love about you is that the accents that you use, there's like twists and twangs of things that we recognize, but it doesn't belong to a group per se. It is kind of a collective. Belongs to all of us, right? Yeah. But the frustration, I mean, yesterday I was in, um, I had a meeting in Durban North and I parked the cars. I call first hour free. I was over an hour, go to the parking meter thing to pay for my ticket. And the thing just does not want to accept the card. So I'm like, cool. So I had to go upstairs, cross the road. And I think I mentioned this to you. I had to go buy, I had to draw money. So I drew a hundred rand, like put all my security up at the ATM because I'm drawing a hundred rand. <laughs> and then I had to buy Rolos and get some change. But break, now I didn't want to take hundred rand. <laughs> I nearly, so this is where the, like the video idea comes from. Now I want to do something on, on how like, frustrating parking machines are to pay it's like you want my money i don't want to give it to you but like at least make it easier for me <laughs> like. 
So, I mean, Kev, you've broken the 1 million mark, and obviously with that comes so much love and, you know, people sending such kind words to you and mm-hmm. adoration. But I suppose the, the flip side to that, and that's what we really want to touch on today, is the underbelly of how unkind people can actually be out there. <coughs> the dark side, yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you, had a, have you had experience with that? Yeah, I think it's it's something I've struggled with over time as you gain more traction or popularity with your content or your live gigs and stuff. And you've kind of opened yourself to scrutiny and, and people coming at you with all sorts of commentary and stuff. And I think, you know, when people get to know you on this personal level, like you see my videos, like I'm here, I'm raw, I'm authentic. I guess for some people, they feel the need to just like project and be nasty which I've had a, a lot of, or some people just feel it, feeling like they know you completely. So therefore they might know what's best for you and give you these hardcore opinions. And it's up to me or anyone that experiences something like this to try and manage that. And managing that is really hard. Yeah. yeah I'm often amazed by what people feel they can get away with saying that there's sort of, mm-hmm. where's the boundary? Where's the limit in some of the things that you feel that you can say on some of those platforms uh, and yeah some of it starts becoming incredibly personal and hurtful and hard not to take mm. in a very emotional way and i'm sure it must take a lot of regulating to filter through that sometimes and so much energy because it's like we live in a time where it's like so easy to obviously take so, so many things personally but i mean how can you not when it's it's literally i am my brand and sometimes it's so hard to like differentiate those things there's a blurry line and we're so hardwired to like just take the negative right and write on that even though you can have 150 beautiful messages and i get such incredible messages and stories from people but then you'll get that one and then you're like but why or what have i done and you'll you'll take it so personally but i've, I've learned to kind of try and manage it and understand that it's sometimes a reflection of what they might be going through or maybe they're uh, yeah something's happening in their life that's they just feel the need to do this. I actually had one the other day and I just couldn't, I just couldn't understand this woman, like what, why she felt the need to um, comment on my relationship, which I'd chosen at times to kind of just share an image or a post about my partner and I on socials. Cause people like that little personal touch and the insights into your life. So now and then you give them that, but this was all about how, this lady thought she knew what was best for me and and fabricated this whole idea of me and my relationship. And I just thought, wow, like I was gobsmacked. But being a like, yeah, a comedian, I wanted to try and like also just be like, what are we getting here? Like yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's also difficult, like, fine, have a go at me. I can deal with that. Mm. But don't mm. don't have ill words about my lady. Like that's that's not your oh. place. So I suppose it's a different response to different content, right? Hmm. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's really it's really hard sometimes. But but you know, I try and flip that now and and refer to maybe a memory or something in my head that can counteract all of that, even though I, I have that feeling at the time. So, for example, my last live show, which was in East London, I had a guy say to me after the show, he's like, "Oh, my, my wife is a huge fan of your work, blah blah." I was like, "Oh, how you got dragged here?" And he's like, "Yeah, I totally did." And to be honest, I was like. I was like, oh, here we go. And just 
another artist or whatnot and um he had all these expectations and he had this like preconceived idea of how the performance was going to go and and he's like i'm officially a fan and i got to see you in the flesh and understand you on a personal level and um, that's the beauty with and the, and the importance of having to do live versus the online world because there's so much room for assumption and stuff on, on online communities and you have to like bring it together by showing people your real life stuff so that you can have their buy-in I guess. Mm. Jay and I often talk about the you know that manual process of you know your negativity brain right wanting to mm. kind of just creepy crawly hold on to that stuff and there's a lot of negative stuff out there because people feel yeah. people feel they have a right to kind of get away with and say whatever they want on, on social media, which I think is problematic, actually. Um, and I'm all for freedom of speech, but it, it kind of crosses a line sometimes. But really, I think what you're talking about there, which is so cool, is that manual control of being like, yeah, that is something and it deserves some of my attention, that negative comment. Maybe I need to reflect on, on why. Maybe I need to choose whether it's appropriate to or not to respond because I have the ability to do that. Also realizing and recognizing that bully is someone who has been bullied, right? This is more than likely a reflection of some of their stuff. But in this day, I also choose to collect a pile of evidence and it's all there for the taking. That's wonderful and affirming and, and light. And it's so easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah, like when I watched this TED talk last night about a guy talking about how to not take things so personally and his idea of having to like separate yourself from the situation and go like, look, when you take things personally, it's like you're making the other person like kind of responsible for the way you're feeling. And it's just so interesting just to think about that idea in itself and go, wow. So when it happens again and someone says, oh, you're a narcissist or you're so selfish and they go, okay, so that's something that you're projecting, but I should more be like, I'm sorry, you feel that way, but I know who I am, what I stand for. Mm. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting when we start looking at the bullying with empathy for the person that's throwing the slander. Because I think a lot of the time we want to go onto the defense. But when we start yeah. flicking it around and actually seeing, and we chatted about this briefly yesterday, Kev, that the people that are throwing the hatred are so desperately in need of someone they can follow that has some substance and like a moral compass. And, you know, you touched on it yesterday, like, who are people using as people that they can follow that are of good substance and wholesome love and kindness and compassion and unity? Mm. And that is, is so little of that, you know, now. And we're, we're going into a time where it's, it's just such an interesting time to be alive, where it's, there's so much happening and there's so much censorship and there's so much control of speech but like i said we can switch on the tv and we can be exposed to stuff that we should not be exposed to during prime time television or at least our kids not that i have any kids but you know that's the thing and it's like we have to make those decisions ourselves and on what we're gonna feed our mind body and soul and who we're gonna be influenced by and what sort of role model role models we look up to uh, or what sort of leadership or role model we're going to take on for ourselves, you know? And I think that's become more important and something I also like try and hit a little bit of a, a button within my actual shows is go boom. Like I've done, I'm doing the funny. Yes. I'm riding that way, but here, here's a point I just want to make because 
that's important in comedy too, is that you leave, you take away something that you can learn or resonate with because everyone's fighting something. What I love about what we're saying here is that, and it's a, a Gandhi quote comes to mind for me, that kind of be the change that you want to see in the world. And for <clears> all of us to be more conscious of that on social media, in our everyday postings, but also in our responses to what other people post. And if we want to see a world without bullies and we want to see a world with positive role models, be conscious of you know, the values that you're putting out there, both in what you're posting and, and you're responding to. You know, I was really alarmed when watching some of the news around that young learner in Limpopo who took her own life and she had gone through a lot of bullying herself. And the news was asking people to respond to how they would deal with it if their child was being bullied. And I was really alarmed by how many of the people responding were saying things like, I would go in there and I would teach those young people a lesson uh, and I would threaten them with violence. And I thought to myself, yeah, we are a society that so quickly is so reactive and so quickly turns to violence. And it's, it's actually not the solution to stopping bullying. And as the adults in the room, we've got to be so conscious of that. We don't fight fire with fire. And you know, Jane, you, you touched on a really interesting concept there that although bullying is not acceptable and there have to be consequences to, to bullying, it can't be reinforcing more violence or pe perpetuating more violence. It's just not a solution. And we've got to role model something different. And I would imagine that's true. And I'd be interested to know what you think, Kevin. That's got to be true on social media as well. The, the way we respond to stuff. Mm, 100%. We're so quick to react without, without thinking as well. And that's, that's one of the troublesome areas in social media is you can just click comments and go for it. And everything's reaction based and it's geared for that and in the beginning it was a especially with things like um facebook you know in the beginning it was very exciting positive space like and we can share all this awesome stuff and like remember the days where it was like you had your status like kevin fraser is like and it said dot 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 and then you could update and be like is watching a movie or is you know, <laughs> yeah, on the loot like who who cares like but it was exciting but i think even even looking back at one of I think it was David Bowie's uh, videos and a comment in, in like the nineties when the internet was becoming this thing with computers and stuff. And he said, you know, we don't know what we've created yet. We've created this monster and we're only entering that era now where we're seeing like the effects of all of this stuff. I mean, Google's been around for what, 22 years now. That's crazy, but we're all online. We're all on these social networks and apps and we've all got access to like, hit a comment button and just react, react, react. And, and these giants love us to, to react. They love keeping us on there to formulate our opinions and, and they get traction and everything can be swayed and interpreted a different, in a different way. But I think because of that very problem, because it is a problem, it's making people more like kind of living on edge and tense and like ready to snap and ready just to take offense at everything. So we, we almost need to go back a, a few steps and rewire some cables. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Kev, do you also feel that you have like a huge responsibility to be like a talking head for, for a generation? Because I mean, you're fresh, you're cool, you're young, you're hip. Your comedy mm. is so funny. It's so relevant. But I never watch your comedy and feel like you're being patronizing. And mm. I suppose that's a thin line as well is like, joking about something and actually belittling someone for the laugh. Hmm. Hmm. hundred percent. I mean, that's again, I, I, I know I speak of 
the live show stuff often, but it's an example of that. Like when you go and watch some artists perform and, and they attack an audience member. And this happened a few months ago. I went to watch a show and I was just like quietly watching the back and the arts is like this couple were having such a great evening. They're just like lovey-dovey. They were like hands on each other's laps. They're just having a nice couple's night out, comedy, dinner, blah, blah. Comedian kind of latched onto the, the husband and kind of just started pulling things about him and his weight and this and that. And I was just like, it's funny, like on that level, but not for him who's paid to come and be here. What are we getting out of that? What What are you getting out of that as a comedian? Like, why? Why do we have to belittle? Why do we have to attack him? How do you know what he's dealing with? There could be a million things he's dealing with. But instead, like, put, bring it all onto yourself and then make points that way, or speak about real things and make them funny, like you know, pantry stuff or uh, kitchen appliances, like stuff, everyday stuff. It's that's why you're there. But comedy gives you that opportunity, as you say, you know, to take to take these things that we experience every day, whether it's politics and social issues and just our everyday stuff and make them funny, but also making a point somehow. And I'm, I'm finding that more and more that the more I'm getting experience with doing stand up is that not only am I able to go that route and to make a point and comment on, on these subjects, but to also like try and inflict some change and be a leader in some way or another and it actually it's like a burning desire like to actually do that and i feel like wholeheartedly responsible for that and i and i think the more feedback i get on a personal level with people's stories you know you say oh so funny you did this video about this boom here's my story and i read this thing i'm like wow and then it, it happens all day every day and it really kind of just makes me feel i'm on the right path of that because people are you know there's still hundreds and thousands of people that might watch your stuff but they don't always comment. They don't always react, but they're there. They're watching and they're following and they might enjoy you, but they're listening mm. and they're taking away something from that. Mm. And yeah, that's been a very powerful thing with video too. I think what's also quite scary is how much school life has changed from when I was at school. I matriculated in 97, when Paulie mm. was at school, when you were at school. And now when we mm. go into schools as kind as can and we're chatting to, to, to kids and to learners, how depression is something that is spoken about. And I'm so thrilled that it is, that it's not this taboo and shame. We've still got a lot of work to do. But mm. controlling controlling the, the sadness. Because I look mm. at learners now and there's so much sadness. And it was even pre-COVID. It wasn't just the knock-on effect of being robbed of special moments and experiences and feeling isolated and insular. Yeah. The world just seems to be so heavy out there mm. Mm. so again i think i can um, that's why i'm feeling like i can he I hear what you say when you say that you feel this like responsible you feel responsible because you're a beacon out there you have the opportunity to to shine a light and and cover things in a in a mm. light-hearted way that is of access to people i mean paulie i mean in the work that you do as well i mean it's quite sad to see the landscape out there at the moment mm. well i suppose and i think this is where Kevin is probably so well-placed to be a role model for, for positive change, even in the digital world, especially in the digital world, is that ability to sometimes kind of laugh at ourselves and not have to take ourselves so seriously the whole time. So, of course, some issues are, are serious and they really matter and we've got to learn how to talk about them better. But there also got to be some situations where we can laugh at ourselves and we can kind of see the funny side of, of things sometimes else everything just becomes 
too heavy and too stressful all the time. And I think as South Africans, humor has been a way that we've sometimes navigated really complicated things just to be able to laugh at the silly things that we do, sometimes more serious than others. And I hope that we don't lose that. So although we have to up our consciousness around the way we speak about certain things, and we've got to up our ways of showing respect to one another, no doubt. And we've got a lot of to do in that space. But I hope in that process, we don't lose our ability to sometimes just laugh mm. at how silly we can be, because we need that laugh sometimes. We need people like you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this reminds me of, a, I did a, my, well, my, my token one and only motivational speech woo-hoo, um, <laughs> at a school in KZN, like last year, I was asked to come and just like, they just, the school wanted me to just come and lift it up. Like you say, Jane is like, so there's such a heavy weight in society at the moment. So, you know, come in and just like be like the cool young guy that like, like resonates with these kids. And I, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to start this thing. Cause it was my first kind of little speech that was slightly on the serious side, but I thought, well, we've got to start by just building some rapport and some, with like a bit of comedy. And, but then I just decided to open up a bit about my struggles in the entertainment industry and just like hurdles that I faced just so that they're like, okay, you know, he's human. He's not just like woke up one day and, and was like a, a big comedian or something like that. You know, he's, he's been through all these things. And then I had the room. I just felt, you know, the room. And I think that's also a blessing and the, the blessing and curse of my job is that I, f- I feel energy heavily. I'm spiritual and I'm, I'm on that thing. But then the consequence also like I, I overanalyze everything. And I, I've thought about this pot plant next to me for quite some time now too. But um, <laughs> I stood there and I had to give, get these guys some motivation. And I left them with a task at the end of my little um, speech and the task was all to do with the internet and social media I said for the next seven days try wake up every day in the morning for, for the first 60 minutes of your day before you put your feet on the floor and put your stokies on and go for your breakfast cereal whatever it is <laughs> command your day don't open that phone and respond to the rest of the world read something maybe go and have it have your breakfast and talk to your mom and dad or go outside and and just like think about like like really try and get your mind on that path because we live in a, a society where we're so caught up and hell-bent on on responding and seeing what everyone else are oh, looking so and so's in the maldives and this person's just got married and oh my god they're having a baby and what that does over time is just continuously tell you that you're not damn good enough and it's pushing these kids' self-esteem down the drain. And, and these are kids that are now growing up with, you know, the phones and, and thing. I mean, I, when I grew up, I had like a Sony Ericsson the size of this table. Like, it's like you could send like one text a year. But they're growing up with all of this and such an information overload that it's like messing with their spirituality. And human connection is so important. And I think that's the difference between what kids are having to experience today and what we might have grown up in, in our generations where we sat and we, we watched the person talk to us and leech and spill their crumbs. And like, like it was all real and we felt emotion Whereas a lot of it's just via the phone now yeah. or computers. And I think that that is contributing to people feeling depressed and like useless mm. and misguided. Mm. It's like waking up in the morning and running across an emotional minefield and then trying to get on with your day. I think you're spot on. I think it's great advice. So, I mean, Kev, I love watching your life 
I love seeing you on your different adventures, bloody wearing a towel turban and dancing around the pool. I mean, I follow you. I follow you. I love you. But what is difficult about the work that you do? Because I often think of someone like a Robin Williams who, you know, he's the life and soul of the party, but when he goes home, he's so sad and introverted. Or, for example, Paul and I mm. often chat about it as kindness facilitators. We hold mm. ourselves to quite a high bar as being kind people. And when you're not being kind at home, but you've been kind to people at work or vice versa or whatever it is, you're not keeping that kindness flowing. It's hard not to feel like a fraud sometimes or being really hard on yourself. So what's hard Dang for on. you? What's hard for you? That is so true. And especially, you know, I've noticed I've, I've done some hardcore touring and it's like, it's having to deal with the up and down of like, you go and you like perform boom and in the emotion. Like it's just that, that up and down of that emotion, sometimes hard to deal with. Mm. But I counteract that with exercise and that brings me back up to speed. I do feel like I'm actually quite introverted and I'm to myself and in my own time, uh, when people are not seeing that hyper version of myself, I'm just chilled. I, I'm, I'm a, I love to obviously talk, but I listen, I chill, and I, I be at peace with myself. I, I enjoy just my solitude. That's just who I am. But it's hard. It's the hardest part for me, especially the more you grow and gain in popularity, is, and in particular, having been back in South Africa over the pandemic and in a place where I'm much more popular than like Australia or overseas is the expectation of the general public and my fans and people to be like, I like, I always need to be on that level. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm like, I'm also just human. And if I go out and it's busy and there's people and it's like, sometimes I just want to sit and have a glass of wine and like chat to like Jabulani next to me and not have to be that and not have to do photos and just be like, it's along with, social media and technology with a lot of people, not everyone, but there's this like need to like have their peace. And I had a photo of Kevin and it, it kind of makes me feel mm. often like I'm being objectified and I'm just this thing. And it's, it's hard sometimes, but I've also had to kind of just realize, look, people just, you know, these are fans and, and they adore you and people resonate with you. And some people just really truly love you and that's amazing so just appreciate that for a second but it's how you handle these things like the other day i was sitting like i literally like mid fork burger sauce everything going this daily like touching the shine like Can I please have a photo and i was like you know previously i would have just been i would have dropped what i was doing like wiping my short 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 like let's do it but i turned to i said that's absolutely fine um can i just finish my conversation my meal and then i when I'm on my way out, you can come and And some people take that as a pass off, but I'm like, well, then clearly you're not a fan. And other people like respect you and they're like, okay, cool. That's, that's great. Like, oh, that's sorry. No worries. Cause some people just get excited and they don't know how to behave, but it is very hard sometimes. I mean, even just going grocery shopping, it's like not always the fact that people come up to you and they want that, but it's also just the feeling of being watched or like, you can't even walk around with like the odd snolly because people will be like, <laughs> see that. I see that from the corner. So I think it's Kevin Fraser. What's he doing buying eggs? I'm like, I don't know, because sunny side up. I like that. It's just okay. <laughs> so we're talking about fans loving you, but have you had a fa- I'm sure you've had many, but fan moments where you've met someone and you've just been like, oh my gosh, because I'm sure you're exposed to so many wonderful people in the work that you do. 
No, you do, but I'm actually a bit useless. I never know who anyone is. Like Oprah would <laughs> walk past me, I'd be like, she looks just like Oprah Mash. And like, yeah, oh, that's because it is, Kevin. That's that's because it is. Um so yeah, no, nah, I haven't, although um I saw Cameron Diaz from a distance um, <laughs> once and I was like, ah! Fangirling, uh, fangirling. <laughs> fangirling, yeah. I love it. Cameron Diaz from a distance. That is epic. Oh, um, uh, we could just chat for 10,000 hours, couldn't we, Paulie? Isn't this just so lovely? Yeah, uh, Kevin, thank you, thank you for, for, first of all, all the laughs. But more than that, yeah, thank you for sharing a bit about Kevin behind the Kevin Fraser today. I think that's so inspiring and meaningful and a reminder to to all of us to be conscious that behind that image on social media, behind that idea that you have of someone, there's a whole world going on and we have to kind of really try to be more empathetic and caring with that reality on social media and in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for bringing that to life for us today. And I think it's like, it's important to also just remember like, if it all does get a bit overwhelming, it does get too much, and I've done it once, twice before, just log out my brew. Just log out for a couple of weeks. Just go into the bush yeah. and yeah. find... Detox. Take a break. I think, uh, I think what also comes to mind for me is, Paulie, you know, we often chat about we can hold different feelings at the same time. So... Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin can put out a funny video, but that doesn't mean that he's having not having a hard day. Or he can be the, the funniest thing in your day, but when you see him out in public, he's also somebody's son. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's also a human being. We, we, we have the ability to do things at the same time, and they can be on different sides of the spectrum, so to speak. Kevin, I love you, and I really mean that. I do, I do, I do. I mean, me how, too, me too. How, how funny is this, this story? I have to just quickly share a story with you. So, I go, I go away like ages ago, and I've got this hard drive. I plug it in, and I'm working away from home, and I'm going through old photographs and sending photos home to my husband. I'm like, oh, look at the children at this stage and this age, and I found this folder called um, ECR DJ Summer Camp. I'm like, what on earth is this? What is this? And I click on it, and there I am in the middle and with these kids around me, and I'm like, oh, never. That's not who I think it is. And I'm zoom, zoom, zooming with the fingers, zoom, 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 zoom. And as true as God made apples fall off trees, it's Kevin Bloody Fraser. <laughs> you did a DJ summer camp at East Coast Radio. What age were you? I mean, what age was that picture? I don't know. I think I, I ate a lot more chicken since then, though. <laughs> <laughs> and your hair was good. Yeah. yeah, I would have been like... <laughs> 15, 14. Oh, my darling. And look at you now. What's on, what's on the cards for you? I mean, what do you want to do in the next couple of years? I mean, you're such a driven human being. What's next for what's next for you and your brand? Well, uh, obviously, as society slowly gets back, I, I can I can do tours and stuff. So that's that's great. But I'm still like, traveling, doing shows. I am obviously trying to work on the American thing. Um, I've got to get into, into that sort of scene. And I, I've been interested in TV and that sort of field but i think what gets me going more is uh the idea of my new show concept which is far from being launched i think still but uh it's called in between the palms and it's basically like i want to say it's like my own little talk show kind of thing online but it's it's like what we're doing now you know like just to discuss and and get real about subjects and give a bit of my opinion and and you know don't always have to be funny there's 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 the the real side you know 
of like just having conversations with with people about certain subjects and getting people on the show that have their own experience and expertise and I think it's important more than ever for the public to be able to connect with people on this, on this level, you know, and, and let them know that they're not alone in whatever they might be going through and that we're all human and we all go through the same stuff and we all want the same sort of things in life, you know, happy relationship, love, good career, job, inner peace. Yeah. I just want to go down that alley for a bit and it's literally two palm trees. So I'll be in between them just to specify yeah, and there'll be a couch. Maybe. Well, if you ever see two crazy, kind creatures peeping around from around the palm trees, that's Jane and me Hi-ya. following you. Hi. <laughs> Kim and Fraser, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your heart. We thank you for your vulnerability. We love, treasure, and adore you. May all your voyages be happy ones until we connect yeah. again. Uh-huh. Thanks, guys. Keep shining, Kevin, making Zanzi proud. We love you. Lots of love, Thanks, everybody. Uh, Go well. Hi. <laughs> You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.